welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Laura Owens. And I'm Jan Black. On this episode, we are so thrilled to welcome back psychologist and author, Dr. Guy Winch. He's been with us twice before, and today he's here to talk about why he's partnering with Mind Bloom, a leader in psychedelic therapy, to develop a new program for recovering from rejection and failure. Dr. Winch is a leading advocate for integrating the science of emotional health into our daily lives. His TED Talk, How to Fix a Broken Heart, has been viewed nearly 16 million times, and his books, including Emotional First Aid, have been translated into 28 languages. Dr. Winch, thank you so much for joining us again. It is my absolute pleasure. Thank you for we, having me. We were really intrigued to read that you're involved in this new Mind Bloom program to help people recover from rejection and failure, in part with the use of ketamine. So tell us more about what ketamine is. I think it's a, a drug that we're hearing more and more about these days, but what is it? Well, we're definitely hearing more about psychedelics and psychotherapy treatment these days uh, as going together, or psychedelics for mental health treatment as going, you know, in general, because there are trials now and um, they are being submitted for FDA approval for things like psilocybin, which is a psychedelic, even MDMA. Um, ketamine has been approved for over 20 years, though. It's the first one that was approved um, to treat depression and anxiety. And usually that was done in a psychiatrist's office. You came, you got an infusion, etc. Um, and then when the pandemic uh, came around and that was not so practical, they got authorization to do treatments at home. And Mindbloom is the biggest company that's doing that. And they do it in a very, very safe way. You have to get authorized by a psychiatrist, have an actual diagnosis, they have coaches, they have preparation. But the way it's done there is that they have usually a, a six-part, six-session program, um, and they just released their first study about their initial program, not the one I did with them, but their initial one for depression and anxiety with over a thousand subjects. And the results were wonderful. They were really, really effective. As, and as a therapist who's trying to help people with depression and anxiety over the years, any new tool that comes in that's useful and effective and relatively easy is a real boon. So I was very excited um, when they approached me to to work with them. So I actually did um, some ketamine, IV ketamine therapy for depression years ago. And so I was obviously really intrigued to hear you were working with Mindbloom. And I'm wondering what the real differences are between that IV and doing, um, is it like micro, micro dosing? I mean, it's not that it's not quite the same thing. I mean, I guess as somebody who had done like the real, you know, infusion that was so extensive, like I'm, I'm very intrigued by the idea of not having to do that because the experiences were kind of. You know, they could be they could even be scary at some points, but but it, it seems like it's a smaller amount and it and it's different. So what are the differences? So first of all, I'm I'm not a, a medical doctor, so that's not necessarily my expertise, but I can tell you a few things about it. First of all, one of the differences is because it's not an infusion, it's a tab that you put under your tongue and that and that uh, dissolves. It's not microdosing. It's 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 uh, dosing, not microdosing. Um, I'm I don't know enough to tell you what the doses are that you get via infusion versus the tabs. Um, but people have the same kind of um, response to it, and that's why they published this study of over a thousand people, which is a huge amount of of people, and showed that their results really do stand up to the uh, infusions and to the other ways of, of doing things. They were very, very effective and they had really high success rates. So it's it's something, it's a tab, you get it at home, you put it under your tongue, I think for around seven minutes, 
then you spit it out. And this is happening while you're going through, you know, whatever the, 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 the consciousness that, that you're going through in that moment, you do have someone with you um, that you, you elect. Um, and, and so there's someone there to be with you for, for comfort. But people have a similar experience as far as I understand. How does ketamine work to help people move on from rejection and failure? How does it specifically work with those things? Because I know those are things that you're very much interested in. Correct. The way ketamine works in general is it increases neuroplasticity in the brain. There's a window there where during it, when you make new connections emotionally and otherwise, they tend to be quite robust because of that neuroplasticity. So the idea of these sessions and what's, that's why the, um, what, what Mindbloom does is before every session you get material, um, uh, in the case of the rejection and, and, and failure, you get a video uh, from me that helps you set the intentions, talks a little bit about some of the things that will be happening during the session. Then you take um, uh, the, the, um, tab you you do the pre-session i think 24 hours before then you take the tab when you're ready uh for it and then there's a guided meditation that guides you through a certain process and each of the sessions has a different focus in the guided meditation in the session that happens before and in the integration session that happens after where you're given further materials to enhance and to further the work that you um that you were doing during the session and before in terms of the intention setting and the things that you want to try and focus on so, so that's how it works. And the idea of adding kind of emotional first aid uh, um, factors there is because people often come back uh, when they have ketamine uh, therapy, it can be effective for them. And then they want to come back for a few more sessions or for a whole other program at some point. It can be months, it can be a few years. Sometimes people don't, but they wanted to have more offerings. And the idea was that we need to shore up our emotional health as well to you know deal with depression and anxiety and that means learning to deal with failure with rejection with resilience with loneliness with connection and those are the some of the things the program talks about everything about depression it seems and psychedelics is somewhat stigmatized and so i have to say that when i saw that you were involved with this i thought oh my god it's like it's about time it's somebody really trusted um who who's promoting this and just seems to have such a wonderful program. So I'm wondering how you are able to overcome these kinds of sensitive issues and stigmas surrounding it. What do you tell people? Well, first of all, those stigmas, we have to understand where they come from. They come really from truly, we're going back to the 60s uh, where and the 70s, where um, in, in at those times, things like, <clears throat> excuse me, things like MDMA, for example, um, were used therapeutically. And they were used very well for dealing with, with post-traumatic stress disorder by psychiatrists, by psychologists. It's when the drugs got into the club scene that they become, you know, oh, well, now people are just using them for fun, so that we can't have. So there was this real um, stigmatizing of anything to do with psychedelics. And truly, unnecessarily, they've been used by, by native and aboriginal cultures for thousands of years. They can be used extremely safely. And when you do medical trials, you're looking at dosage, you're looking at application, you're really making it as safe as possible. So I didn't have any stigmas 
to get over number one. And number two, when you look at things like depression and anxiety, we don't have a ton of great options. We have antidepressant medication. Those often have side effects. They're effective for some people. They're not effective for other people. Their effectiveness can wax and wane. And so we, anytime something else comes along that actually is easier to administer, that has less side effects and that can have a similar impact, I would welcome it. And I think that the people who are concerned about it just are not informed um, in the way that they should be, especially if they're mental health professionals. But you, we do need to get informed because this has been legal for 20 years and been having a lot of very good effect. I've worked with you know quite a few patients who've really benefited from it. And it's important to stress, too, that the ketamine that's used in a program like this is very different from the ketamine one might find at a party or on the street. Absolutely. And, you know, first of all, who knows what's in the ketamine you might find at a party or on the street. There's no dosing uh, necessarily there. Here, everything is much more regimented. There is supervision. There's a psychiatrist involved. There are other mental health professionals involved. And it has all the support of a therapeutic program with the sessions before and the integration sessions afterwards. There is a place on the website where you can connect with other people who are going through it to get support, to discuss. So it's a very different ballgame than just doing something in a club. Right. And I was going to say that the landscape of psychedelic therapy is really rapidly evolving. And you mentioned MDMA. I know that that's kind of on the horizon, maybe is going to be kind of the same as ketamine in the future for therapy. Where do you see this field going in the next 10 years? And how do you see Mind MindBloom being involved in that? So first of all, I think um, MDMA is going up for FDA approval this year. It's already all the clinical trials are done. They were extremely successful. I've spoken with the people who run them. They're extremely successful. I think psilocybin might be going up for FDA approval next year, maybe, because similarly, the clinical trials have been extremely, extremely successful. And there are many, many people, especially when it comes to things like, say, MDMA, uh, that helps with post-traumatic stress disorder. There are many people who are suffering so badly that we can't really help that effectively. And if something can help them and really make a life-changing difference, it would be absolutely a shame to not authorize it because it was associated with a with a club drug in some way. You know, that it, it's just very much uh, throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Um, and so I, I really find that the, when these substances are used clinically in a responsible way, then they can be extremely effective. They just give you another option. And since I uh, joined with Mindbloom, I've heard from friends that I've never known had gone through ketamine therapy saying, oh my goodness, that was the best thing that happened to me. I'm so glad you're doing this. I've got nothing but positive support and messages. And I do think that people who are informed and certainly you've had the experience can be aware that this can be a really great thing for a lot of people that would otherwise be suffering. What should we know about the side effects or, you know, any any kind of potential um, issues that might arise? I, I know it has been generally very well received, but um, nothing is perfect. So what do you tell people about those potential side effects? So people don't usually ask me about the side effects. I'm not the prescribing uh, physician here. I, I just, you know, did the the program with them as a, as a psychologist, as a as a therapist. As far as I know, there are not that many 
side effects. And, uh, and again, you have somebody there with you. Um, if there's something unpleasant going on during, there's somebody to talk to. They have also options to reach out to the people at MindBloom who um, uh, would be you know, supportive and would assist in whatever ways they could. I've not really heard from anyone about stories of things going wrong in that way. So I can't really tell you what happens because I truly haven't heard that happening. I'm, you know, again, they, they did tests with over a thousand people. I don't know most of those thousands of people. So I can't, I can't say, but, but as far as I know, um, things went quite well. Are there any stories of somebody who had an amazing transformation that you would like to share with us? Cause there must be so many. The, the, this one person who approached me, this is not a, a, a patient, but you know, a friend, so I won't mention their name. I wouldn't mention their name if they were a patient too, obviously. But there's one person who approached me and you know, she said that it was that, that she was dealing with a low grade depression for many, many, many years that she really didn't like the medications that she had tried. Some of them gave her weight gain. Some of them did other things, but they weren't that effective for her. And she was a bit of a skeptic when she heard about ketamine therapy but she was at the point where like i i just need to give something a try because this is not resolving it's staying for a long time and she said it was it just really did something in sense it just lifted that depression she really felt that this cloud that she had been living with for so long and for so many years had lightened and lifted and she wasn't completely out of the woods she wasn't sap, you know suddenly this happy-go-lucky person but she was far less depressed she was more functional she was more optimistic she said it made an absolute um critical difference for her and 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 she's one of the people who reached out to me to say like i'm so glad you're doing this because of the stigma i haven't been talking to people about it but i'm so glad you're doing this because i should be talking to people about it because it was extremely helpful to me you know, like I said, I did it years ago. Um, I now have epilepsy and I actually had wanted to do mind bloom, but they, um, since I now have epilepsy, I can't, um, oh, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm not eligible for it because it was so helpful when I did do it for trauma. And I was going to say that what it, it really did is at the time, um, having gone through all this trauma, I was feeling, you know, borderline suicidal. And it was like that turned off in me when I had, mm ketamine i mean it was like it made me more resilient it goes along with the whole theme mm -hmm. of resilience and everything like i, I and, and rejection and just so many different things that um standard antidepressants didn't help with i felt like th there's just something different about it so i mean i if i could do it again i would and i think my mom noticed the difference right. in me as well right it was almost immediate that that yeah. you would you could go into a ketamine session and and really be feeling down and come out and it was like it was like you have a, a whole new a, outlook yeah a, a, yeah. a different a, a very different person and you know, along those lines, I'm wondering about the the cost of it and how many sessions you really need to have before you may see uh, some benefits. Is it for a lot of people almost instantaneous? Um, it depends on the person. Um, I think my balloon starts with one session just to make sure things go okay, but then um, they recommend a series of of six. The program that I uh, developed with them um, is six sessions. Their original program is six sessions, and they're now developing other programs as well. People can report improvements from the beginning, sometimes from the middle. It, I think it's quite individual, but, um, I, but I do think that it's quick in that 
sense. When you take a traditional SSRI, like a Prozac, a Zoloft or something, you're always told it could took, take four to six weeks to really feel the impact, et cetera, et cetera. That's a lot of waiting and a lot of wondering now. I'm feeling better. I don't know. Today I did. Yesterday I didn't, et cetera. There is something qualitatively, I think, a little bit sharper with with ketamine, at least based on what uh, people are telling me. I have not had the experience myself. Um, I would be happy to talk about it if I had, but I, I have not. So I'm not uh, qualified for the medication um, in that in that sense. Were I to, I wouldn't hesitate to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would encourage people to do it. Um, you, you use the term emotional hygiene a lot, and I'm wondering how that plays out with MindBloom and the program that you've developed. Well, that's exactly the point of the program that we developed, that People, you know, there, there is no medication, I think, or approach that will by itself uh, do something miraculous if someone's way of thinking and someone's way of coping is still problematic. If somebody is still wrapped in very negative perceptions, very critical self-talk, if they're very, very pessimistic, if they're very avoidant of situations that make them anxious and therefore feel very, very limited, you know, in life, all of those things you might feel after a, a treatment that you're more able to do something or that you're more ready to approach something or you're feeling less worried or anxious about it, but you still have to do it. And if you've been telling yourself, for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, oh, this is not something I can do, it's still going to generate anxiety even after ketamine. So you have to kind of recognize where certain messages are coming from and you have to practice emotional hygiene in the way that keeps your emotional health um, ticking along that really helps support emotional health and 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 prevent a lot of the declines that we can see uh, people have when they go through periods of stress or difficulty or challenge or or loneliness and so it's it's not you know so that's why usually all these treatments for example the psilocybin the mdma they're all therapy assisted and mind bloom they're accompanied you know in that way and that's why they have the program before the integration program afterwards the idea is you still have to work on yourself this will make the work more impactful and have it have a and have it be more effective but you still need to do the work how important is listening to music while you're doing a ketamine treatment Again, I wish I could tell you I'm 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 not it's it's not something that is exactly my expertise in that sense. I know that when I recorded the uh, guided meditations for the program um, that I developed with them, there are six sessions, so six guided meditations. I'm speaking for the first few minutes, and then there's some background music that goes on to allow you to have the experience that you need to have and to go in your mind to the places that you need to go. So I know that they have some background music there or sounds or those kinds of things. And I think something like that might be useful to just, you know, uh, you know, in a certain way, because I know that they all, they all have it, but um, I think it's a wonderful question to know, like what impact does the music have? Does different music have different impacts? This is all still new for a lot of the researchers, but maybe that's research people will do at some point. It could be super interesting. Mm-hmm. I can say from my experience, I thought the music played a massive role. I can't even imagine 
um, not having the music. And it's kind of like if you have up-tempo music, like um, it enhances the experience. I can't imagine having sad music or anything depressing. I think it would really impact what you get out of Did it. Did you choose really. the music or was that given to you? They they had a playlist you could choose, but I just chose my own music and I did like top mm. 40 music, which was actually great for that. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I would I would recommend that. Um, and I was going to ask as well. I know that accessibility is a big issue with ketamine. I mean, it's it is known mm -hmm. to be expensive, at least the IV ketamine. Um, do you know how much Mind Bloom costs to, to do like a, a session, a series? Or is it covered by insurance? Yeah. First of all, I do think it's covered by insurance because it's it's FDA approved. So so I think it's covered by insurance. I think so. Um, but all that information will be on the mindbloom.com website. I remember looking at the pricing. I don't remember what the pricing was because this was probably six months ago that I looked. But I remember thinking, oh, that's not bad. Mm -hmm, um, yeah. So so I, I think it's affordable and accessible in that way. Um, but again, all that information would be on their website. And they, they really have a quite informative website. So I, I do think they answer a lot of the questions because I think they're aware that people might have hesitations. This is something new. It had stigma attached to it. So there is a lot of information there. And I think all these questions, not sure about the music one, but I think maybe that too. But I think all these questions will have information and answers there. Quick question. If you're not able to use to access uh, ketamine, for whatever the reason, what is your best advice for someone who's dealing with a situation where they could use some emotional first aid right away? Maybe there's a, some kind of an emotional crisis going on in their lives. What are some things that we can do without ketamine on our own? So I think one of the things that we can do is exactly what the three of us are doing right now. There are so many podcasts. I've been on your lovely podcast. This is the third time. It's it's always, and I've listened to other episodes, it's always informative. It gives a lot of information. It does a lot of education. It's, it's, it's very, very useful in that way. And the podcast space has really, um, you know, exploded in the sense. And But there are many of them that have very practical, useful advice. We are lucky to live in a time where everyone is putting themselves out on social media, you know, me, me included, by the way, but what I do and what other therapists and psychologists and mental health professionals do is we offer free information as much as we can. Tidbits here, advice there, guidance here. So there's a lot you can curate to help yourself if you're suffering from depression, from anxiety, from any kind of crisis, you know, get informed, learn about it, because you need to work on yourself and what ways to do that, which tools you can use that you can find online. Because again, therapy is difficult for everyone to get to geographically. Mindbloom does, you know, this is by mail, so you can get it anywhere in the country. But but if you're looking for other information, then then just get curious and ask questions and and go and find the information. A lot of it is out there and for free. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such a great thing with Mindbloom that it is just mailed to you since it's really hard to find places, especially in rural areas yeah. that that have ketamine mm -hmm. therapy. So I think that's big. Um, so as you know, our show is called Nobody Told Me and we've asked you now, this will be <laughs> the third time, what's your Nobody Told Me lesson? But specifically with psychedelics, because um, I'm sure there's a lot that you didn't know um, when when you got involved with Mind Bloom. But what is it that really sticks out that nobody told you and you wish you'd known? So I knew, for example, I've known about ketamine for many years. I'm a psychologist, so I knew that that was being authorized in certain 
ways. I didn't realize how advanced the clinical trials for the other substances are, for psilocybin, for example, um, and for MDMA, until I met some of the people who were doing them. And they're saying, no, we're, we're done with stage three. We're going up for FDA approval. This will be available right now. And, and so for me, I didn't realize that we're there, that this is the dawn of a new era and ketamine might have been the first, it will not be the last. And as a psychologist, when I've sat in front of all kinds of people over the years frustrated that I don't have enough tools to help them because of the trauma they've been through, because their depression is medication resistant, whatever those things are. And now there are other options that I can help people with or send them to get help with. That's what I didn't know. And and so nobody told me that we were moving this quickly, this far along. And I think it's amazing news. And Dr. Witch, how can people connect with you on social media and the Internet? They can find all the links to social media at guywinch.com, G-U-Y-W-I-N-C-H.com. But otherwise, Guy Winch uh, is good for Instagram. It's good for Twitter. It's good for LinkedIn. It's Guy Winch author on Facebook. Um, but um, people can can find me there. Well, thank you again so much. This has really been, you know, another enlightening uh, episode with you. And we just really appreciate your wisdom. And I hope to talk to you again soon. I hope so, too. (laughs) (laughs) Again, our thanks to Dr. Guy Winch. Again, his website is guywinch.com. And Mindbloom's website is mindbloom.com. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us. 